La 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 wait till I give my money right I had a dream I could buy my way to heaven When I woke I smit that on a necklace Welcome, Pewter Report readers and listeners, to another edition of the Pewter Report Podcast. I'm Mark Cook, along with my boss, Scott Reynolds. Hello, hello. We're in the purple. Yes. Well, in the that means. Well, I'll show you. Prince, are we? Yeah. No, I'll show you exactly what it means. It means family, Kansas State Wildcats, 16th ranked Kansas State Wildcats. Rolling right now. Big win over KU. Not the only team rolling either. That's true. That's a These fact. The Bay Buccaneers are rolling, John. Rolling. And another voice you hear, of course, is John Ledyard. Um, boys, this was a heck of a game. Again, it wasn't maybe as dominating of a performance as we saw against Green Bay, but it may be a, just as satisfying of a performance in the, in the way that they did it. Uh, got out to an early lead, allowed the the Raiders to get back in it, and then and then just took the game over something they were unable to do when they took on the Chicago Bears. So, um, you know, I think sometimes these kind of wins can be even more satisfying than a dominating um, display that we saw last week because it shows these guys that it's okay, you know, we can get down and and we've got number 12 under center and that tends to <laughs> that tends to make all the difference so far this year. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I I wrote this in the game changer column after the game, but I mean, you you can't point to a moment in the game that doesn't point back to when Brady signed at back in March, and this game was a complete reflection of that signing and the difference that it made for the franchise in so many different ways. I mean, the, the no turnovers part of it, you know, the fact that he's protecting and taking care of the football, the fact that he isn't, I know we'll talk about this more in a little bit, the fact that he isn't forcing the ball to Mike Evans in all situations, but he's using whoever is open. Even if they drop the football, he's going to keep coming back to you because he knows it's the right play, trusts the offensive process, and it's keeping this team on schedule consistently offensively and not allowing – them to beat themselves and I think the way that he's played that's not even mentioning the unbelievable the amount of unbelievable throws that he had in this game that were elite caliber throws um, you know we're not talking about the underneath stuff that people said were all that he could still do we're talking about high degree difficulty throws down the field on a regular basis tight windows fearless passer he's everything the Bucks needed and now everything's starting to come together and click just as we kind of Hinted that it would early on in the season when things were a little bit hot and cold for the offense. Well, and you mentioned hot and cold. I mean, right now Tom Brady is is just incredibly hot. He came into this game with with fourteen touchdowns and four interceptions. And I think the more important statistic is those four interceptions because they've stayed the same. Uh, again, Tom Brady no turnovers, and and that really has helped propel this team. The Bucks didn't hit that trifecta this week. They did allow no sacks, and they did have. Uh, no no sacks. I mean, was Brady even sneezed on in this game? <laughs> no, no. It, I don't even know if the Raiders played a defensive line. Yeah, and and uh, you know, they, they, I mean, it wasn't perfect, but at the same time, it the, the pocket was pretty damn clean. And and I think it, the Buccaneers only had four penalties in this game, so they didn't hit that that perfect trifecta that they did last week against the Packers. But as Bruce Arians said after the game, they'll take four penalties. That's really nothing compared to a team that was averaging close to ten per game. But when you look at Brady. And you can pencil him in right now for the NFC Offensive Player of the Week award. 369 oh, yeah. yards, four touchdowns, and a rushing touchdown, which was the second of the season. Right now, Tom Brady has 18 touchdown passes and two on the ground. So he's accounted for 20 scores himself. They're not even at the halfway point yet. That's 20 touchdowns. 
Jameis Winston yeah. only, only accounted for 34 last year, and that was an all-time franchise high. So I think Tom Brady is well on his way to accounting for at least 40 touchdowns this season and probably breaks Jameis Winston's passing touchdown record of 33. More importantly for Brady himself, 559 career passing touchdowns, and that is one more than Drew Brees. He passed Drew Brees today, became the NFL's all-time leader. Look for those guys to kind of leapfrog each other possibly throughout the season. Mm -hmm. The, the Bucs and uh, the Saints will have that Brady-Brees rematch in just a couple weeks. Uh, but right now, Brady with 94, 300-yard uh, passing games, uh, trailing only Drew Brees, who has 122. But he did surpass Peyton Manning today, who had 93. So uh, an absolute uh, record breaking game for Tom Brady, who also right. has 18 touchdowns through seven games. Uh, the most ever was 14 by Jameis Winston and Josh Freeman and Brad Johnson. They accomplished that in 2019 and 2016 with Winston, 2012 with Freeman, and 2003 with Brad Johnson. So yeah. Tom Brady, your NFC Offensive Player of the Week, I'm betting. For sure. And I, I do want to jump. I don't want to get I, more your thoughts I, here, Mark, too. But I, I wanted to jump in and say to all these people that are in the chat right now that are watching us and that are in the chat. Thank you so much. Your support has been amazing yes. as we've started these live broadcasts. It has been awesome. Please, if you're not subscribed and you're like, man, these, this is pretty cool. These guys are making some halfway decent points, you know, talking about the Bucks. Go over to our YouTube, uh, Pewter Report TV. Uh, check it out. You can search it. Go over to our YouTube. You can subscribe uh, and click that bell and get those notifications for when we go live. We go live four days a week. We're going live 4 p.m. Uh, again uh, tomorrow. We'll have more Bucks to talk about on Wednesday and on Thursday as well, and we'll have guests, and we'll have tons to talk about. The Bucks are rolling right now. They're the talk of the town, talk of the NFL, and we've got lots of great coverage to keep you up to date on everything that's going on this season uh, with the Bucks on this podcast, the Pewter Report podcast. So go ahead and over to subscribe and hello to everyone in the chat that's saying hi and that's offering good comments and thoughts. We'll try to get our thoughts in on your thoughts. So if you have questions or whatever, feel free to drop them in and, and, and don't be discouraged if we don't answer right away. We'll try to get to a couple of those and, and nail some salient points on those as we get rolling here. But Mark, I mean, your thoughts, you've seen a ton of Bucks football over the years. You're seeing a quarterback now. I mean, obviously, you know, everybody, the history with Brady wasn't like it's been a huge surprise. But at the same time, a lot of people said he was done. And, you know, I think that doubt creeps into everybody's mind a little bit. And you're seeing clear evidence of the fact that that isn't the case right now. Can, can we just, just, you know, get rid of the narrative that Tom, you know, we heard it on the broadcast today, the Fox Post game show afterwards. You know, they bring up the fact that, oh, so many people had written off Tom Brady and had written his obituary. Can we just... Go ahead and put that to rest now. Tom Brady is just fine. His arm is just fine. And his desire to win may be as great as it's ever been. But Scott mentioned something earlier. I think the most important aspect of, of these five wins so far, 5-2, rip Sam Weish, but the uh, the, um, the the most important aspect of, of all of these stats we've talked about, I think, and something that I was harping on the entire offseason was the play of the offensive line. This mm -hmm. team has only given up eight sacks this year through yeah, that's a great through these games and through seven games, which is tied for the third least in the entire NFL. Um, I was one of those guys. You can go back and look through my tweet history going back to January when people started kind of mentioning Tom Brady here. And my thought was, and I tweeted this, Tom Brady would die behind this offensive line. Well, the Buccaneers went out and, and got Tristan Wirfs to replace Tamar Dodson. And the Brady effect has carried over to those five guys in front of him. Mm -hmm. It, yeah, it, it has upgrade. been. But it's not just the fact that Wirfs is there. I think Don, I think 
DeMar Dotson would have played well right now, too, because nobody wants to be the guy that gets Tom Brady killed. We saw Donovan give up uh, a hit on Tom Brady in the game in the first half where he just got beat by Max Crosby, I believe it was. But other than I think that, it was Hurst, actually. They put the defensive tackle right. yeah, Maurice Hurst. Hurst out there. Yes. Yeah, it was yeah. a little surprising. He just, <laughs> he just abused Donovan on that. But but Tom got rid of the ball. And, um, you know, it, it's I think that's just been the biggest key so far this year to these wins. I mean, obviously, the play of the defense and, and you know, some the ability to run the football a little bit and stay balanced. But um, the offensive line has just been tremendous. And yeah. something that we've criticized the last few years, but, but hats off to – to Jason Light and his front office staff for um, for for making that uh, a strength of this football team when coming into the season. To me, it was the biggest concern. Yeah, it was the biggest question mark for sure. And I think one of the things that now has become maybe the only offensive question mark is what's going on with Mike Evans. Already seen a couple people ask us in the chat. We want to make sure we address and talked about Mike Evans on this he's show fine. for sure. Because, right, he's, he's, loving, he's loving being five and two. Exactly, exactly yeah. right. Yeah. Mike Evans loves to win. And we saw that Tyler Johnson's touchdown in the back of the end zone late in the fourth yeah. quarter. Mike Evans, first guy running across the field, going up to him, dapping him up, chest bumping him. I mean, he is excited for the team's success. You know, so I'm from a from a personal standpoint, I'm not worried about Mike Evans at all. From a football standpoint, though, let's talk about it because there are well, some, you know, you know some things is, to touch you know on there too. Pissed off about this is the fantasy football players that have Mike Evans on their team. I mean, let's sure, just be yeah. real. That's what it is. I mean, your boy is one of them. Mike Evans <laughs> producing for me, and 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 you know, and what's wrong with Mike Evans? Nothing's wrong with Mike Evans. Mike Evans is five and two. He's perfectly fine with not having to carry the offense anymore. Uh, you know, it, back in the day with with Jameis Winston, I mean, it was it was Vincent Jackson and and Mike Evans, and when when Vincent was gone, it was Mike Evans and nobody else. Then thankfully yeah. they got Chris Godwin, right? Uh, right. But it, it's like Mike Evans is fine. Um, right. He would trade. We've said it before. But he he would trade in a thousand yard season for a trip to the playoffs in a heartbeat. And folks, that's what's probably going to happen this year. Mm-hmm. The last yeah. time Mike Evans was five and two was in two thousand. 14 when he was playing for Texas A&M. I mean, he hasn't been in this position before. And, um, and you know, I, I, you at some point, you know, he's he's wanting the football like everybody else. But the difference, and you mentioned it, Scott, Jameis Winston would, would force the ball at times to Mike Evans. There were opportunities where And Tom it resulted in interceptions, to, Mark. A, a, it exactly. resulted in picks. We saw that but in London, the very first play. Yeah, yep. we, we have seen, but what, what I see from Tom Brady is a guy that gets to the line of scrimmage and he pretty much knows where he's going to go with the football. Yes. There were there were a few plays where Mike Evans, Mike Evans, on, there were two to went to Scotty Miller where Mike Evans was probably open enough where he could have thrown it there. But when Tom Brady got to the line of scrimmage and surveyed the defense and saw the coverage and and kind of what they were going to do, he pretty much had an idea where he was going to go with the football. His ability to process before mm-hmm. the snap happens is just uh, the difference between a guy that wins six Super Bowls and plays nine and a guy that, that struggles to do that. He's just so cerebral cerebral of a player and um and it's it's it, it, we it's on display you know every single week. And um you know he was he was just he he misfired on a couple balls. That first one, this first pass of the game to Gronkowski. Right. I mean if he makes that throw he's probably at four hundred yards because that probably goes yeah. for yeah. forty right there. Yeah. Uh, but you know just just his ability it's just we saw it Scott in training camp and we've mentioned it a few times you know, he, he just comes up to the line of scrimmage and he, and he just knows what he's going to do with the football instead of the ball being snapped and trying to react to what the defense yeah. is doing. It's just such an advantage uh, to be a quarterback to be able to do that. 
Right. I, I mean, even looking at the Mike Evans situation, you know, I tweeted about it some during the game, and I think I think it was the first time I've really kind of talked about because I thought this game maybe he could break out. I just didn't think with Chris Godwin back healthy and Gronkowski putting up the numbers that he has that that uh, that they would double him very much. You know, I just didn't think that would be the case with the Raiders. Uh, you know, but they did most a lot a lot of the game. We saw really it on the Scotty did, yeah. Miller touchdown. I mean, the Scotty Miller touchdown before the half safety rolls to Evans on a vertical route, and Brady's got a one on one on the outside with Scotty Miller, and they have a guy, a wide receiver three, like you mentioned, Mark. They haven't had that in the past before. They have a wide receiver three who can win those plays and, and win those balls vertically and make big plays in the passing game. And they're going to have a wide receiver four and five that can do that too. And AP gets here. <laughs> That's Johnson. what I was going to so, say. Yeah. yeah. So there are a lot of mouths to feed here. And to, to be honest, defenses are still focusing heavily on Mike Evans. Do I think it's smart? No. And I think the results speak for themselves. I don't think defenses have been very smart. But one of the reasons why it looks so dumb for opposing defenses after these games is because – Tom Brady's giving the ball to other people and not Mike Evans. You know, if he were throwing it to Mike Evans when double coverage all the time, then it wouldn't look as smart as it does. But I think Evans is being doubled. The other thing to consider about Mike Evans that you guys know full well, and we asked Arians about it this offseason, Mike Evans is not a manufactured touch wide receiver. He is a vertical threat wide receiver. Mike Evans is one of the best in the league creating big plays down the field. But he's also a little bit easier to scheme for defense to take him away because he doesn't really play out of the slot. The Bucs have tried to get him in the slot, but it's not really where he wins. He's not as good of a player in the slot. So I would say you could say it's a limitation of Evans' game to a degree. He's just really, really good at what he does, but he's not a guy you're going to get manufactured touches to. He doesn't catch many slants. He doesn't catch any screens or bubbles or hitches or things like that. That's not really typically his game. And, so, and he's not a guy that you want to get the ball in his hands to make plays right. after the catch he doesn't succeed in that way so because of that he's a little bit harder to get involved in the game plan when teams scheme to take him away but because the Bucs have so many other players what he does still becomes extremely effective because it opens things up for everybody else to be able to eat and you heard so many other players talking about that after the game well and the thing too is I, I'm going to come out and just say something and there, there's going to be some national media dipshit out there who's going to say, you watch, Mike Evans is going to demand a trade. And that person doesn't know Mike Evans. And that person doesn't follow Buccaneer football. That's some national writer that's going to pull something out of his ass that's going to be absolutely wrong. So let me just state this clearly. Clearly. And you can snip this and put it on Twitter, whatever you want. Mike Evans is one of the most selfless football players I've ever been around in the Bucs locker room. In my 25 years, Like he is top five when it comes to selfless players. He's not going to be demanding a trade. Um, yeah. Does he want to contribute more? Absolutely. All 53 guys on the active roster and all 46 on game day want to contribute. They want to be the star. That's why they're in the NFL, right? I'm not saying Mike Evans doesn't have an ego, but does that right. ego come close to his desire to win? Absolutely not. Mike Evans has never been in a playoff game. Yeah. If this no, is the you're price right. he has to pay, he's fine with that. He is not yep. about to leave Tampa Bay right now. There's no right. way in the world he's going to trade him, nor would this team ever consider thinking about trading him. Right, so, right. Yeah, you know, he's their guy. He, he is staying put, and he's going to be happy here. Trust me. Right, and he's going to have big games too because yes. guess what? The defenses cannot continue to look at the tape and say, oh, yeah, let's keep rolling coverage to Mike Evans because everybody right. else is shredding them. Right. They just can't do it. You're going to have to have guys that can match up. Teams that don't have guys that can match up will need the Bucks to beat themselves to win games. It's just the honest truth. Bucks have too many weapons in the passing game. They're too good at quarterback, and they're too good in protection right now. 
if you cannot match up with these guys and have have a couple corners that can match up with these guys, and the Raiders have zero corners that could do it, and they knew it, and that's why they put a safety over top of Evans at all times because they knew it would be the easiest way to get shredded. They got shredded anyway, but these teams that have good corners, you know, the Saints roll up, and Janoris Jenkins played well enough last time. You know, he had the pick six and Marshawn Lattimore, and they're going to be one of those teams that's like, okay, how are they? How are you going to match up with the Bucks? You're going to match up differently than other teams will because of who you have in your personnel. But the reality is when you don't have corners, these teams that don't have corners, they're the ones that are going to focus. Wasn't it Denver? Who Again, same thing. Young corners yeah. that barely played in that game because uh, what's-his-face, uh, Abouye was out uh, in that game, and, and they did the same thing. They just doubled, you know, Evans all game. And so, you know, that's kind of what teams that don't have corners are going to do. And the teams that have corners like the Saints – are going to say, all right, here we go. We're going to lock up him, and then we can play our safeties a little bit freely. We'll change their assignments. We'll do things like that. But you can't have two guys focused on Mike Evans now, and then when Antonio Brown gets here, who knows what it's even going to look like. But, you know, Scotty Miller is playing unbelievable football. I don't want Scotty Miller to come <laughs> off the field right now. Like, does it? are you watching this game, guys, and not thinking, like, how are you going to take – you can't take Godwin or Evans off the field, so Scotty Miller is going to see – snaps cut because of Antonio Brown and I'm saying I know Antonio Brown's a really good player but it just feels crazy to take Scotty Miller and that trump card speed off the field when he and Brady have had an unbelievable connection all season I think uh, they go five I, wide they just go five Let's wide. Do <laughs> you don't need any tight ends or, or running backs back there hey can a uh, B just catch it out of the backfield I mean they need somebody who can do that consistently oh Fournette looked good today catching the football well we saw we saw Ronald Jones drop one early in that game let's talk about that didn't yeah. see Ronald Jones for a little bit after that um Bruce Arians and, and, and you know Byron what I, I love guys. that I love that yeah. I love the, the accountability he's demanding sure and listen nobody's yeah. been hotter than Rojo three 100 yard straight you know games and, and Arians has been effusing praise on Rojo, right? So it's not like there's any type of animosity, right. but it's like Tom Brady threw you a perfectly catchable ball. You bobble it and don't catch <laughs> it. And it's like the way he dropped it was incredible, too. I he know, like, I <laughs> those are the kind of drops that turn into interceptions, too. I mean, he didn't drop yes. it, it fell at his feet. He bobbled right. it and kind of tipped it up. And I mean, if there's a cornerback yeah. or a defensive back coming up on right. that sideline, that's six the other way. And and Bruce right. Arians, it was right in front of Bruce Arians. Guys he that sent a message. I mean, we didn't yeah. see a lot of drop passes today, did we? You know? No, that's right. Yeah. yeah. I mean, that was I, I think that's maybe the only one. It might have been. And and the thing is, is again, it, it's it's about being more accountable and demanding the accountability. And and now and I asked Bruce this after the 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 game on the post game press conference. I said, "Do you feel like you guys are turning the corner now by eliminating these mistakes and, and and reducing the amount of penalties?" He's like, "Yeah, I think we did." And and we'll keep saying it. It wasn't so much the Packers game that was the watershed moment for this team. It was the Bears game. That loss was was where everything kind of came together yep. during that that little mini bye week in the practice week leading up to Green Bay. And now, Mark, as you said, we've seen. Two dominant performances, especially on the scoreboard, where they're just blowing out teams. It was it was not as dominant, you're right, as as the Packers game was with 38 unanswered points. But this mm -hmm. final score, 45 to 20, uh, was was another statement game for this Buccaneers. Yeah, statement I thought game. the Bucks offense. Yeah. I thought the Bucks offense was even better than they yeah. were against Green Bay. But defensively, yeah, there were more struggles that I know we'll talk about in, in a second too. But yeah, I mean, if they can get somebody out of the backfield, and that's why I was actually, you know, you guys know I wasn't crazy about the Fournette signing when it first happened. Didn't think it was like a bad signing necessarily, but no, just don't find bad. him. You said it was awful. <laughs> don't just find him to be a very compelling player. But at the same time, the Bucks are so bad with everyone else at catching the ball out of the backfield that I was 
literally excited to see Fournette back in the lineup today. <laughs> Even though I've said I don't think he's a dynamic receiver, and I don't. I just think he can literally just catch the ball. He almost dropped his first one. But, <laughs> but you like know what? He, he had to be one of the plays of the game. Yeah. On a third down, you know, I think it was 13, like third and 13, 13, something yep. like that. It, and, was under, and, it, was, it was the drive that they had just given up 10 unanswered points. Right. They lost that, three yards on first down, second and 13 incomplete, and then, yeah. That was huge. That was huge for yeah. this football game. And, and, and you know, and, and Leonard Fournette came through. I don't know that Rojo does that. Um, mm -hmm. uh, but anyway, um, go ahead. What's the next topic we're going to go over here? Sorry, I well, was glancing we, at the Rays score. Um, we've got a we've got a situation that we um, you know in this game we probably went into it and we were thinking well difficult to bet on any of the running backs in the passing game but we know there is one place we can bet and bet very reliably that's with our friends over at my bookie Mark my bookie Scott we're gonna let you do this one Scott because you're the no, gambler Scott. here <laughs> yeah. well, I, I had I had a bookie but he's in jail right now so I need to go whoever's to winning the most gets to, gets to do the read yeah <laughs> guys yeah, exactly. Listen yeah, well, and you know, here's the crazy thing. This was, this this was like two of the biggest layups this week, right? K State over KU, and and the Bucks. I think it was like minus four against the the Raiders, and and I it, it's been a, a difficult week for me, as everybody knows, and and I, I didn't lock on to my bookie, and I could have just easily won, uh, had you know some serious cash, so. Having said that, I'm, I'm going to be a little bit more mindful, and next week will be a better week for me. And and where am I going to do my betting? I'm going to do it at my bookie. Ever since I started out, people have been asking me for all kind of advice on things. But in covering sports, it's usually about who's going to win and where they should place their bets. You know, you get the Patriots or the 49ers this week, the Bucks or the Raiders. Well, the best piece of advice I can give to anybody is where you're betting is just as important as who's your, who you're betting on. It's why I tell everybody to go to my bookie and do their betting. They've got deposit matches, free bets, and huge cash prices and all sorts of contests that you're going to take advantage of all season long. NFL action, check. College football, check. World Series, check. Plus, they got a mobile-friendly betting website, top-the-line customer service, making their platforms a one-stop shop for all your betting needs. My bookie offers action on everything from championship futures to NFL in-game live betting. So make sure you have do your betting at MyBookie. And congrats if you're one of the ones to cash in on their early season odds with the Lakers winning the NBA championship. Sign up at MyBookie today. And when you do, use the promo code Pewter to claim your deposit match, dollar for dollar, all the way up to 1000 bucks. It's a bonus designed to give you a little bit of help and a head start on your winning season. That's promo code Pewter for your claim of that bonus that's going to double your initial deposit. Stacked UFC cards, presidential prop bets, all the major sports and more await you. Sign up today and begin your winning season exclusively at MyBookie. We appreciate Graphic Wolf giving us the first ever Super Chat donation in the, on this Thank podcast. You. On Graphic this Wolf, podcast. you're the man. Stepping up. Graphic yes. Wolf, appreciate it and appreciate all of you supporting us. And if you want to support us with the Super Chat donations, we appreciate that greatly as well. We've got hey, lots to on, talk about. And, and what what that stuff. means is, is when you when you become a Super Chat guy and you make that donation, we are going to guaranteed put your post up there to be seen by everybody. And we're going to comment on it. So if you have a question... That's the way to get an answer. So we'll try to do our best to go through some of these. But yes, uh, Super Chat is a great way to get your comment heard, seen, read, and answered. Even if you want to make fun of the way I look, I mean, 
you know, if we're going to make fun of the way I look, at least, you know, make a donation when you do it. Don't do it for free. That's true. That's true. That's not a bad point there, Mark. Actually, that might be pretty good incentive to get us some revenue. Oh, great. Here we go. It's like the you need me to take my right? shirt off to try and get some more donations. Donations are pouring in. <laughs> yeah. We're going to set great. a record. <laughs> the defensive struggles in this game, guys, for a little while were concerning. And obviously they prevailed. And I don't think it was, they were an awful or anything like that. But there was a little bit more bleeding than we're used to. And we'll talk about the good, too, because there was good. But the thing that most concerned me, guys, and I tweeted a little bit about it during the game, but I was thinking it the whole game as I was watching, is the Bucks just don't have any pass rush from the interior right now unless Will Golston breaks through once or twice. I mean, that's to me, that's really the that's the interior pass rush is really dependent on that right now. And, and they don't have anybody who wins 1v1 consistently. So if they are rushing four, one guy's going to get doubled. The other guy can't win one-on-one. -on -one, and it makes it really tough when Pierre Paul and, and Jack Barrett, who I think have been good but not great, when they win the edge, quarterbacks are finding lanes to step up easily in the pocket and being able to avoid edge pressure. So it's making Barrett and, and Pierre Paul, I think, have to win really handily, I think, to be able to make an impact. And so my thoughts are just that I'm not sure how it gets fixed necessarily i would love you know i think anthony nelson honestly is the guy that probably needs to step up as an edge rusher and i think jason pierre paul needs to be able to kick inside situationally obviously they're going to rely on the a gap blitzes they're going to find ways to create pressure inside but i think at some point it makes you you have to be able to rush for i think at certain yeah. points of certain games against great quarterbacks and get home and when the bucks face great quarterbacks that is a concern that i think manifested itself today and one that i think will come back up again when the defense does face even better quarterbacks than Derek Carr. Well, I'm going to say the Drew obvious. Brees, Drew Brees is the is the guy that you need that that interior pressure from. He's and even Matt Ryan. When you're looking inside your own division, those are two guys yeah. that just don't get to the outside at all. So, mm -hmm. um, you know, those are the guys that are going to step up and are going to eat this defense alive if they can't figure out a way to get a little bit of pressure from the interior. I agree with you, John, on that. Well, I, I'm going to state the obvious and just say Sean Murphy Bunting has got to really step up and play better. I mean, he yeah. he has not had a good season. And I tried to cover for him a little bit earlier this year when he had the groin injury that he suffered out there in Denver. But he just has not played well. He has given up more plays than he has made. And we have seen now uh, his counterparts all around the board. Antoine Winfield mm -hmm. got his first interception today. Antoine Winfield Jr., I should say. Uh, Mike Edwards was robbed of yet another interception. He should have had one if not for the – the Shaq Barrett offsides, he would have interception, what, number three now, John? Yeah, that would have been number right. it would have been number three, and then he right. had the tip that led to the Winfield pick. And yeah. And, and Carlton football. Davis certainly has has uh, led the way with three interceptions this season. We've seen Jamel Dean come up with the pick six. Uh, it's time for Sean Murphy Bunting to not just make plays, but just be credible. I mean, just make play defense to the point where you know you're not giving up more plays than than you're you're uh, you're making. If he can be average right now i think mm -hmm. that would be good i think he's playing a little below average and and and, and there's got to be something going on I don't know if it's confidence or if it's if it's a nagging injury or something but sean was playing really good football last december you'll remember he had the pick six to clinch the game against yeah. the lions he had the, the the interception in the end zone against jacksonville so uh, with three interceptions he led the team as a rookie last year and we have not seen that same playmaker that we have um you know that we that we saw last year he had I don't two think penalties make, today. He had two penalties today. Both of those penalties um, were him guessing and 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 not playing confidently. You know, we talk about offensive linemen; they tend to hold when they get beat. Um, I don't know if he was out of position, what it was, 
but he's not playing with confidence. Scott, we saw him in training camp last year just light things up. He had that first preseason game against Pittsburgh, got beat, and he struggled through the rest of the preseason. Yeah, Until he was right. forced into action against New Orleans in that game, um, you know, he 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 really didn't see the field a whole lot. And when he did, he wasn't right. very effective. So I think he's one of those up-and-down guys that, that – things get in his head a little bit. He just needs to maybe see the sports psychologist as much as anything because um, we know the talent's there. We've seen it. But Jamel Dean and Carlton Davis just have this bit of swagger to them. And and I, and I and Car- and I'm sorry, Sean needs to get that swagger back because he's certainly mm-hmm. capable. We know that he is. Mm-hmm. Right. And, yeah. and the thing is, is, you know, Jamel Dean almost had two more picks today, right? I mean, he was right. close. But we yeah, haven't seen Sean right. Murphy Bunting even be that close no. to an interception. Yeah, th- no. there's no – to me, I don't even know why. I, I don't – and I don't expect it to last much longer with the coaches. But to me, it's like I don't know that you can continue to to play Sean Murphy Bunting over who, Jamal. Who, but then the I was going to ask, who, who's, who's taking a spot? So here's what I wonder could happen. By, I don't think it's going to happen next week. But here's my long-term prediction as I was watching the game and I thought it out. I don't think – I'm not ready to say bench Sean Murphy Bunting yet or anything like that. Uh, but I do think – the long-term, the best solution to getting the best Bucks defensive backs on the field might be Jamel Dean and Carlton Davis outside, Antoine Winfield in the slot, Mike Edwards at free safety, Jordan Whitehead at strong safety. I don't know because we haven't seen enough of Winfield in the slot, and we honestly didn't play there a ton at Minnesota last year. Played there a little bit, but playing slot in the NFL is totally different than playing it in college. You know, We right. know he has the movement skills, but there's a lot more that goes into it. So and it's the a, intelligence. It's a, he's got the Yeah, got he the has smarts. the intelligence. He can communicate. Those are all things you have to be able to do. He tackles, and he'll, he can blitz, and they can do all those things with him from the slot. So I think playing Winfield there has a lot of advantages. The question is coverage. We haven't seen him. If you're in the slot, you play a lot of man typically, and I mean, you're, you're going to be asked to be in some coverage responsibilities. And so I think that's where we want to see if Winville can do that. But Mike Edwards is playing so well right now. And I know he's only played like probably after today, it's not even 100 snaps still, but he's finally getting into the game. Usually he's only been in because somebody else got hurt. Now he's finally getting into the game. Um, and he's just been so good. I mean, he's, he's like you said, he's picked off three passes. One of them was negative penalty. He deflected a ball. I don't think he's given up really anything in coverage uh, this season. He's right. playing with such great processing. I mean, aren't, his picks have not been, yes, the Carlton Davis one was tipped, but his picks and the break on the ball today for Winfield's picks, those have been big-time plays. Like Those are plays that not a lot of free safeties in the league that are playing 60 snaps a game are making, and Mike Edwards right. is making them. Maybe he gets in his first game and he, he makes one of those plays and gets lit up for three touchdowns. I don't know, but I'm just saying we got to find out because like what this guy's showing, he's got to play more. I mean, there's just yep. no question in my mind. Well, he's got to play more. The interesting thing is, is he actually got to start at nickel corner against the Saints last year in that game in Tampa. That was the kind of the weird game because uh, Jamel Dean um, you know, didn't see nearly as much action as, as they expected to in that game, and, and they went ahead. And, and put him in at the nickel position. He actually got a sack of uh, – of, uh, Breeze or Taysom Hill. No, it, was, it was Taysom Hill. Yeah, it was Taysom Hill. Yeah. Taysom Hill was in there on third down and in and, uh, and, and for Breeze, and he's the one that ended up getting a sack from that nickel. Yeah. Spot. And having Winfield and Edwards would just give you a lot of versatility. I mean, there's you, both guys can blitz. Like you said, Edwards can play in the box. You could roll your safeties, change assignments depending on matchup. Right now with Jordan Whitehead and Winfield and Sean Murphy bunting, you know, there just isn't as much flexibility. Like Murphy right. bunting is just a nickel corner like in those situations. Jordan Whitehead can't be deep and he can't play in the slot. And so you can't – you don't have the same flexibility. So to me, 
Mike Edwards gives you way more of that defensively, and you can be a lot more deceptive defensively. And let's be honest, I think the Bucs are going to have to figure out ways to manufacture pressure more often because I just don't think the four guys that they have rushing when they rush four are going to consistently get it, get it done against good offensive lines. And this was a bad offensive line they were facing today. They were facing yeah. an offensive line that was beat up. And and I'll be honest with you, I was, you know, Derek Carr got the ball out. Bruce Aria, I mean, sorry, John Gruden doesn't have his quarterbacks doing a whole lot of seven-step drops and things like that. I mean, it's it's quick precision type passing. Yeah. But those are the those are the type of quarterbacks you're gonna see um with some other guys later this year. And 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 again, I bring up Drew Brees again. Um, you know, that was a Drew Brees type performance from you know, car where he from Derek went Carr, to the yeah. running backs, um, you know, where he hit the tight ends, where he found the soft spots in the zone. One thing I asked even during the, the thing, and John, you're more of an X's and O's guys, uh, X and O guy than, than I am uh, in, in certain things. My question is, when the Buccaneers do blitz, we've seen it even last week a couple times, but this week in particular, where they're playing some off and soft coverage where – a guy like Derek Carr is smart enough to know where his hot read is and to get the ball out of his hands quickly, and they're completing those passes. If you're playing yeah. more of a man-press situation, particularly with a guy like Jamel Dean, which has a great break on the football, uh, those are pass breakups and maybe pick sixes going the other way. I don't – I don't under. I mean, there's got to be a method to, to Todd Bowles' madness. I'm not sitting there questioning him and trying to decide I know more I about was surprised football by the than amount Todd of zone, Bowles. Yeah. You know, I was. I was surprised by the amount of zone. Today. Yeah, yeah, it was interesting the amount of zone. I do want to talk about that in one second, but I do want to mention while people are filling up the chat and we got a lot of people in here, thank you all for watching. Thank you all for listening to when we go live. And if you're listening to the podcast after that, we appreciate the heck out of you as well. If you want to throw us a super chat donation, ask a question, uh, we would love to get to your questions. We'd love to ask answer some of those on the show. So just throwing that out there if you're interested. Uh, throw us one of those. We'd appreciate that. Also, subscribe to the podcast, man. We're going live four days a week. We're talking Bucks football. There's never been a better time to be a Bucks fan, to be invested in the Bucks. And so if you're in here and this is this seems awesome to you, like jump in with us all the time and do this because we are talking Bucks content and having a lot of fun with it all the time. Uh, so yeah, go over to our YouTube, Pewter Report TV, hit subscribe, hit that bell, get the notifications for when we go live and join us every time we do the podcast. We've had a ton of fun. We've been going live for about yes. three weeks now. And it's been an absolute blast. Right. We've loved it. And we've got some great guests lined up for you. And guess what? In the off season and draft season, you know, if you're dropped in here and you're not a Bucks fan, or even if you are, we're going to be talking draft and all to all to the time. And it's going to be, yeah, four like days a week. Exactly. We're going to have terrific draft content and coverage coming your way too. So it's going to be a lot well, of fun. And, so and, and the cool thing, subscribe. if you just jumped in, we started this at nine o'clock. If you just jumped in and you missed the first half, all these are archived on our YouTube channel, yeah. Pewter Report TV. So just go to Pewter Report TV on YouTube and you can watch the whole thing start to finish. Yeah, absolutely. And so, um, but in terms of the zone defense, yeah, it was interesting. I think, you know, there are some good points that you guys brought up and I think there was some a lot of zone early on. And I think part of it was because vertically they were worried about the Bucks big play or the, sorry, the Raiders big plays that they hit against the Chiefs that kind of broke that game open and they wanted to keep some of that stuff in front of them. And so it worked most of the game. And then, you know, the, the, again, those crossing routes in the middle of the field were tough. Yeah. A lot of times, you know, the first one I remember them, they hit, you know, Devin White's getting getting depth with the slot receiver from the right. other side of the field, and they brought rugs across. And really, I don't know who to even – I wouldn't say anyone's necessarily to blame. I think that's just a hole in that coverage on that one, and, and they found a way to exploit it with a great play call. And I think it's one of those 
you take the L, but in that, every coverage has that to a degree. And, mm. you know, I, so I think that there was some of that, but also there was some of Devin White and Sean Murphy Bunting getting lost in zone as well. Um, Sean Murphy Bunting is better in coverage and man, but he doesn't find the football in man. So it still yeah. leads to plays. And that's where well, playing and, him again becomes a little bit of an issue. And John, you mentioned Devin White. We need to pause on him for a second because we've, we've talked about it pretty much all year on this podcast. The Devin White is he's a force going forward, right? He is. Eleven tackles. He had a tackle for loss. He had three sacks. And if you're if you're wondering where the third sack came from, it was on that fourth and one scramble by Derek Carr. Uh, Carr was pushed out of bounds two yards prior to meeting the line to gain, and also fumbled the ball. So that counts as a forced fumble right there for Devin White too. So a game high, eleven tackles, nine solo, three sacks, a career high for him. He's got four on the year plus a forced fumble and a tackle for loss, um, a tremendous force going forward. But you put yeah. that 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 live uh, 45 truck in reverse, he's still got a ways to go, right? Yeah, in space he is still figuring things out. But my gosh, his hit on Derek Carr yeah. got me out of my seat. Like that it was – you just don't see that a ton in the NFL today, right. like big hits like that, especially on a quarterback. And there's just something about it. It's a mentality of a defense. You want to inflict punishment on another quarterback. I don't care if people think that that's too harsh or whatever. That's just right. the way that it is. That's what you want to well, do. And, and you know what, guys? We were talking about the blitzing earlier, or I guess maybe the, it, there was a fair amount of blitzing in this game, but it just didn't work because the Raiders' offensive line, those linemen are massive. I mean, they're just huge human beings, and and they don't. there's not a lot of space between them. Not that, that they go zero splits. But right. uh, you, you saw that was a pretty formidable wall there, even with some backups in there blocking for Derek Carr. It, it was night and day. Devin White had the only three sacks in the game, and Dominic Sue had a sack that was nullified by a penalty. But mm -hmm. uh, only five quarterback hits on Carr today. He was forced to, to scramble out of the pocket. But um, one of those guys that was doing a good job um, in, in the run defense, we should mention, is Steve McClendon. His Buccaneer debut today, he had five tackles. Oh, my It was gosh, a big-time yeah. force. He we actually talked about him. I know. He actually had uh, four more stops than, than Raheem Nunez-Roches, the starting nose tackle did. So a was, huge addition by yeah. Jason White, uh, Jason Light right there. Yeah, absolutely. And Jason White. You know, earlier we were talking about zone versus man coverage. You know who really plays the best man coverage in the Tampa Bay area, guys? Anybody Briar want to take Greaves. a wild guess? Briar Greaves. Briar Greaves. Briar Greaves. <sighs> you know what? They'll play some zone. Cookie. They'll play some zone if they need to. They'll do whatever they have to do. I promise you this, though. When they're in coverage, nobody's going to get through. Briar Greaves has been in business for over 30 years. Three generations, family-owned and operated. A local Tampa Bay family here that runs Briar Greaves. Look, everybody needs insurance. Everybody, every single person, whether you own, whether you rent, whether you have a business, whether you don't, whether it's life insurance, auto insurance, homeowner's insurance, business, commercial, Briar Greaves has you covered. You need to give them a call at area code 813-876-4166. Write this number down, and tomorrow morning, we want somebody to call. We want a lot of you to call, including Scott Reynolds. Who needs to call? 813-876-4166. Give Briar Greaves a call. Uh, Big Bucks fans. And um, and I'm sure they're excited tonight as as uh, the Buccaneers got their fifth win of the season. And uh, they've been season ticket holders for a long time. And um, anyway, we're, we really appreciate them helping us out here at PewterReport.com. They're proud sponsors of the Pewter Report podcast. 813 876 
4166. Or you can go online. Yeah, we got some super chat. Oh, good. BriarsGreaves.com. Yeah, definitely, definitely check them out. We got some super chat questions. Uh, will this game finally make Max Kellerman stop crying? He always refers to Brady's peak numbers as Peyton Manning numbers. LOL. Thanks, Gizmo Snyder, for the question and for the donation. We really appreciate you. Uh, oh, man, I love seeing the Max Kellerman rip job. I love it. Um, yeah, he, Me too. He's always crying, man. Like, so he's not going to stop crying, no, but it'll also change his opinion. You know, he'll be on Brady's side probably in the next one crying about all the people that said Brady was washed, like he wasn't one of them. And so, yeah, it's he's the kind of guy. I don't think it's ever going to stop. Like, like Bayless, who, who even when he knows he's wrong, will dig his heels in deeper. And oh, yeah. uh, that's Kellerman yeah. to a T yeah. for sure. So for uh, sure. hopefully this will shut him up because Tom Brady's is playing as good as anybody in the league right now at quarterback. Yeah. I mean, you got Russell Wilson that has MVP numbers, but. Mm-hmm. I mean, why, why isn't Tom Brady in that conversation? And and if he continues to play like he has the last few weeks, he definitely will be in that conversation by the end of the year. Absolutely. And, and a great question from Callie Bucks. Callie Bucks, appreciate you. Appreciate the donation. Will Mike Evans hit the 1,000-yard mark? He's visibly frustrated. We talked about this earlier on the pod. Again, you can go check it out, the archive of the of this show when it goes live over at our YouTube channel, Pewter Report TV, Callie Bucks, and you can hear the th- our thoughts on Mike Evans. We broke it down as in-depth as I think we could. Uh, we disagree about the frustrated part, but the will he hit well, the 1,000-yard mark, you that's know what? interesting, I, I, I think. I think he was frustrated because he got held, right? Because on that one play yeah. where, he, where he drew, uh, he, he drew a couple move. of – yeah, the double move. He yeah, drew a couple yeah. of pass interference penalties. And and I think on the double move, he knew he was going to have a big play with one guy yeah. to beat for a possible touchdown. So was he visibly frustrated? Yes. I think he was he was frustrated because he did not have the opportunity to catch that pass because he was held. And uh, I think but I think that's that's the only level of frustration Mike Evans has. Right. He's got a big smile on his face right now, flying back from Las Vegas at five and two. Yeah, I would guess he does not hit the 1,000-yard mark at the current rate. He's just not on pace to do it. He needs some 200-yarders probably. He hasn't been 100%. Hopefully he stays healthy, and he'll have a good year, I think, but I would guess at this point he probably won't hit the 1,000-yard mark. He would trade a Super Bowl for a Pro Bowl any day of the week. Right. Oh, yeah, yeah, exactly. Yep, he won't he won't care about it at all for sure. All right, we got some game balls to give out. We got one on the offensive and one on the defensive side of the ball each to give out. And uh, of course, if you want to dip into special teams, you're more than welcome. Um, but as someone in here did before, I can't remember who it was. But uh, game balls. Let's see, Scott, would you like to go first since you almost correctly nailed the score of this yeah. game, calling it back in the old Super Bowl score in 2003? You almost said you said it'd be. I think on the last part, you said it would be the same score, very close to the same I, I score. I wanted to stay 48 to 21. It ended up being right. 45 to 20. So it was pretty dark. <laughs> In my previous predictions, I had 37 to 20. So it was pretty yeah. close until the last score there. All right, so uh, I, I've got three. Uh, one, one's going to go to Scotty Miller, right? First 100-yard game. Uh, that touchdown was, uh, as John Ledger said, a, a game changer for the Buccaneers right before halftime, that diving touchdown pass a dime from tom brady i mean brady's obviously going to be your nfc offensive player of the week but i'm going to give my game ball to scotty miller for catching those tom brady passes and that big touchdown uh on the defensive side i'm going to go with steve mcclendon we talked about the five tackles the he also had a tackle for loss uh the buccaneers run defense uh which is ranked number one did a hell of a job today holding the raiders to just 76 yards rushing Derek carr had 19 of those running for his life uh, the Raiders just uh, averaged 3.2 yards per carry, and uh, and I thought that that uh, Jacobs, their star running back, 
10 carries, 17 yards, 1.7 average. And then I'm also going to give my final game ball to Antonio Brown. Why? Because it means Cyril Grayson is going to be back in the practice squad. <laughs> wow. You're, wow. You're a savage, my Man. good sir. <laughs> I'm just saying. I'm Cyril just saying. Grayson, one of the Poor low guy. negative spots that you I, could take today. And you had to get him. nothing personal. Today. I just Quote, don't like his Bruce football. Arians, he has great hands. His great hands, a great oh, face to catch the ball with. All right, uh, Mark, you want to go next for the game balls? Yeah, I'm going to go too obvious. It's obviously Tom Brady in the offensive side. I mean, everything yeah. that happens, Scotty Miller has a 100-yard game because Tom Brady. Um, yeah. You know, this offense puts up 45 points because of Tom Brady. Um, you know, I, I, I wasn't skeptical before they saw Tom Brady, but – like everybody else, you know, he didn't have his best year last year. His season ended on a pick six in that playoff game against Tennessee. And when you come into a new team with a new scheme, new coaches, new players, you wonder, you know, how long is it going to take? And and it took maybe two games, and uh, yeah. and and he's been on a groove lately. Um, we'll we'll won't count that. Um, game against the Bears because he literally was throwing to a one-legged Mike uh, Evans, as Bruce Arians said in his post-game press conference, and that was it. There just wasn't a lot of yeah. options there. Um, defensively, Devin White. I mean, when you get three sacks from your linebacker, um, you know, and eleven tackles, I mean, he was just a force to be reckoned with. And I hate, I hate it for him that this game was flexed to four o'clock because the nation needs to see how good a guy like like uh, Devin White really is. I thought he was tremendous today. Um, yeah, he's he's not the best in his backpedal and in his awareness in, in pass coverage at times, but um, I'll take what he does moving forward over what he does backwards all day long. And uh, my third game ball goes to over my shoulder. Oh, this shoulder because it's backwards here. Um, the Buccaneers have not lost since I hung up the Barrett Rude poster. I just want to let you guys know that. It stays. <laughs> it I mean, stays. it can't come down. Don't I don't like to thing. see it. I don't like to see it every morning when I wake oh up necessarily. Gosh. But Barrett Rude. I mean, I'm not going to mess up a good thing right now. So we're gonna we're gonna go with Barrett Rude for the third oh game ball. Ten yard tackler. That's good. No, my game balls. Um, you know, everybody's obviously it's Brady, but I'm just gonna go a different direction for kicks to give people something else to talk about. I we have not talked enough about Rob Gronkowski and what's happening right now. This guy is balling out. People yeah. laughed at this move. They a couple weeks into the season, people were laughing at the Bucks. They said he was just brought in to be Brady's because he was Brady's buddy and it was Brady signing and they paid him this X amount of money, whatever it is, eight nine million, whatever it is, to just to block. And it was clearly just to appease Brady. No, Gronk can still play. I told you all he was getting open early in the season. He's getting open now, and they're on the same page. They're connecting. He and Brady were a little off, to be honest, at the beginning of, of, of the season, and now they're not. Yo, know, Gronk is balling. He's making yes. tough, high degree of difficulty catches. He's getting open down the field. I know everyone's knocking his speed, but all he does, he's running away from people. He's opening up enough separation for Brady to be able to get him the football. I mean, he is making tough combat catches in all areas of the field. He never made his living with speed. He always made his living with ball skills. That's where he could not be topped. He's showing that he still has those same kind of ball skills today. And he's been terrific as a blocker. Their biggest run of the day, he threw the key sure. block getting down to the second level, taking out Corey Littleton, the linebacker. He has been a huge upgrade for this team. And how important is his presence on this team now with O.J. Howard out for the season? I mean, having to rely on Cam Braid and Tanner Hudson as your top blockers would be a nightmare for the Bucs right now yeah. with Anthony O'Claire battling injuries. I think the Gronk signing was huge for the Bucs. I think he's been terrific for them, and I think it's just going to keep getting better throughout the season. So he's my offensive game ball. On the defensive side of things, 
Carlton Davis, I think he was absolutely outstanding today. They tested him deep a couple times. He was up for the he was up for the challenge. Then late in the game, he got banged up, came back in the game. Huge, huge to have him back in the game. Um, and those pivotal moments where they you knew the Raiders were going to be throwing the ball a ton. I thought he played outstanding football today. I think he's been one of the best cornerbacks in the league this year. And I can't say enough about it. I think he's the most important player on the Bucks defense right now. Obviously, that has a lot to do with positional importance, too, and the role that he plays, being able to cover number ones and, frankly, shut him down this year. But I, he's the guy to me that I don't think that you can lose on that defense and play the way that they've been playing. And so huge shout-out to him because I think he's been absolutely outstanding today. All right, we got to talk about Antonio Brown a little bit before we close this thing out. Scott? You got yep. some thoughts. I've written about this. I did a pod yep. on it after. I was like running the Antonio Brown Central for a few hours. I was thinking in my head, I'm like, they probably want to hear from Scott or Mark and what their thoughts well, are on all this. So you got to well, give your thoughts. I'll, I'll give my thoughts in a second, but let's let's be some some news reporters for a quick second. And actually, John, kudos to you. you did a great job Friday night breaking that yep. down. And, and you certainly speak with authority, having covered the Steelers for so many years. So you know – Antonio Brown's career, having lived in in, uh, in Pennsylvania and, and covered the Steelers professionally. So mm-hmm. let's get to the news real quick. I'll read a couple of quotes from Arians and Brady in case you haven't heard it. And then we'll kind of sound off and round this podcast out with some thoughts on Antonio Brown coming from Mark and myself. Bruce Arians was asked about it. He said, it's an insurance policy. When we don't have Mike, we don't have Chris, why not have another Pro Bowl caliber player that's available and fits our cap and fits everything else? So why not? We have good players. But you can't have enough of them. In Chicago, we had one of our top guys out there on one leg. That's Mike Evans. Why not have another one of them? And then when asked about um, kind of reconciling his statement uh, out there in March when we, we asked about uh, Antonio Brown, and, and and quite frankly, Bruce Arians was, was against it at the time and said that he's not a fit here in Tampa. This is what Arians said tonight. I think he's matured, and I believe in second chances. Everyone wants to say that Tom picked him, but Tom didn't have anything to do with it. This is something that Jason and I have talked about for weeks ever since the injuries to our other guys. And when the time was right, we would see if we could pull the trigger and fit in and and what um, and what we want to get done, and, and we'll see. If Antonio does what I think he's going to do, I think he'll be fine. I asked Tom Brady, who actually dodged two questions in the postgame <laughs> press conference, um, bulldog, oh, bulldog. He, he dodged bulldog like Vince Vaughn and dodgeball, man. This guy was, yeah. Well, I, I guess in the spirit of the Rays, I was almost hitting cleanup, right? I was the third kind of question, <laughs> uh, third reporter asking questions about Antonio Brown, and I said, "Tom, you've played with Antonio Brown. How much influence did you have in him in him coming here? And how would you describe Antonio as a player and also as a person? He's had some disturbing allegations against him." And Brady responded with, uh, you have a lot of questions there. Which one would you like me to answer? And I said, all of them. But if you'll answer just one, um, how would you describe him as a player and a person? I tried to get both of those in there. Tom only bit on the first half. He says, well, he's a tremendous player, uh, tremendous football player. I played with him for a brief period of time. I'm looking forward to playing with him again and seeing what kind of role he can come in and play. He's a very hardworking guy, again, uh, we're all going to go out there in the practice field and do the best we can. And then he went on a uh, two-minute rant. Uh, this guy <laughs> this guy could be a U.S. senator because he could filibuster like no other. Yeah. He can take a question uh, that is pointed <laughs> so and direct true. and just start spinning you in circles around 
That's just what football is, Scott. That's what it is. It's about a bunch of guys coming together and coaching and everybody communicating. I mean, that's that's him every time he asks a tough one. So what I would say about the AB signing is it surprised me. I'm I'm surprised that it happened. But you know what? If you're going to go all in, and and, and we did see what happened. uh, Actually, I guess we should say what didn't happen against the Bears, which was not enough touchdowns. They bogged down inside the red zone. Too many field goals. Uh, from a football standpoint, you're renting this player for eight weeks. Yeah. And I've been in a locker room where Keyshawn Johnson and Warren Sapp couldn't stand each other. And yet they went 12 and four in 2002 and won a Super Bowl together. And of course, it all fell apart the year after. They went seven and nine. And right. Keyshawn Johnson was off the team uh, later that season uh, for insubordination. But I think right now you've got Byron Leftwich. The offensive coordinator, you've got the, the assistant receivers coach, Antoine Randall-L. Both those guys played with him in Pittsburgh. Larry Foote, the outside linebackers coach, was a linebacker for the Steelers, played with Antonio Brown. And, of course, Bruce Arians coached him. And Tom Brady played with him for a game and lobbied to get him in New England. Yep. There's enough people around Antonio Brown. And, listen, Mike Evans is a leader. He's got the C on his chest for a reason. Uh, Antonio Brown, I think, for eight weeks can come in and mind his P's and Q's and be a, uh, a vital cog in helping this team, whether it's as a star or a support player um, or as an insurance policy, as Arian said, help this team down the stretch. And, mm-hmm. and I don't think he can do enough damage in the locker room during that span of time. And if the antics come out again, he's gone. It's a high-reward, low-risk endeavor, and I'm not necessarily endorsing it, but I understand it. Mark? Right. No, I'm, I'm the same way. I, exactly what you said. I finally kind of shared my thoughts on Twitter. I had a lot of people right off the bat there Friday night and, and all day yesterday asking me my thoughts on it. And it was the same thing. Look, it's it's this team's all in to win a Super Bowl this year. And, you know, they don't want another game like they had against Chicago Bears. They don't want another game like they had the last two games at home here in Tampa last year that they ended up losing because they didn't have receivers. And they don't want to go into the playoffs in that situation. For whatever reason, this team tends to be, uh, I was going to say hamstrung because of hamstrings. I don't know if that's right or not, but they've been hindered by a lot of hamstring injuries, particularly with the receivers. So, um, you know, bringing him in here, if he's going to, and he understands this is his last chance. He understands there's no more chances for Antonio Brown. It's, It's this time or it's no more for him. So I think he's going to be fine as an addition. Uh, like Bruce said, if the allegations were to be proven true in a court of law, then he's out of here. And if he screws right. up, he's out of here. But for right now, um, he's another piece to this puzzle that the Buccaneer fans and the organization hopes ends up winning a Super Bowl for this team. I maybe should have done this in the beginning, but I didn't because I am a, um, as Jude Law said in, uh, I forgot one of the movies he was in, I'm a bit of a weeper. Uh, I, I get a little emotional about this, but, um, if you guys haven't heard this podcast is dedicated to, uh, Scott's mom who passed away unexpectedly earlier this week. Um, you wouldn't know it because Scott Reynolds has done nothing but work his tail off, um, since it happened. And the reason he did that, and I've known his mom for 25 years is because that's the kind of person that she was. And that's the kind of thing that she would expect from Scott Reynolds. So this podcast is dedicated to Miss Judy. Um, We appreciate her raising a fine son, and uh, he's our boss, but more importantly, he's our friend, and we offer our condolences, our love, and our sympathy to the Reynolds family during this time, 
And um, anyway, Scott, say a few words and take us out of here. I greatly appreciate that. Uh, it's It's been a tough week um, for me and my family. Um, I've been able to get through it because of the love and support from the, you guys on the Pewter Report staff and from the tremendous outpouring of support and condolences from you guys out there in Pewter Nation and the, the Pewter Report extended family. Uh, you guys, our readers, our, our viewers on the Pewter Report podcast and listeners, as Mark would say. And uh, uh, it has been a, a tough week. Uh, I, I, I do um, find great joy and great pleasure in the fact that um, mom had the best seats in the house to see Kansas State whip up on the Jayhawks 55 to 14 on Saturday and then see a convincing win 45 to 20 today for her beloved Buccaneers. So um, uh, it, it was, she had. She had the, the best seats in the house. Uh, as, as Jason Light texted me earlier in the week and said, your mom's going to be up there with, with my dad, Ron Light, uh, watching these games from now on. And, um, and I agree. So um, I just wanted to say thank you guys for that. Um, I, I will certainly miss my, my post-game chats with mom. Um, miss that tonight for sure. But um, thank you guys very much. Really appreciate it. Yeah. For Scott Reynolds, for John Ledyard, for all of our Pewter Report staff, I'm Mark Cook saying we'll see you tomorrow at 4 p.m. with another live broadcast of the Pewter Report podcast. Out. Out. Out.